I'd like you to give him a very warm welcome tonight as he comes and brings God's word to us. Good evening. Well, um, I'm going to read you a few Bible verses from the book of Genesis, chapter 28. Genesis 28, and from verse 10. It says, And Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached the heavens. And behold, the, angel of, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, the father, your father, and God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, For well, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. It is, um, uh, this is my last night with you, and for me, it's just a joy to be able to not spill the water. <laughs> um, really, uh, I have been so blessed just being around here, seeing what God is doing. Uh, people have been so kind. Anywhere I walk to, you know, people uh, saying such kind things, and just the atmosphere and uh, it just feels like heaven on earth in many ways because everyone is so nice and they're kind and they're happy and children are running and they're free and they're joy-filled and joyful. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that God is doing in this place. And uh, I popped into one of the kids' work at, one, at some point and I, I, I was not ready for what I saw. So many kids, and to be honest, it was the teachers that so blessed me. They, they were just the way they were getting about what they were about, this work. They obviously loved these kids and with the passion that they were doing what they were doing. Uh, I'm staying offside, as you know, driving in, those people at the gates and the way that they, with so much grace and gentility and everything here is just so good and so winsome. I just thank God for you. I met, I, when I first came, I, I, I met a guy called... Um, Oh, Miles. They said to me, they said, he runs everything. I mean, and he looks smart. I mean, some people just look really intelligent and smart. He's one of those people. If it turns out he's not, I'm going to tell you he's getting away with it because he looks smart. But when I see the way everything is running, people like that are a gift. And I know it takes a team effort, but I thank God. You should thank God for people. You should applaud people like that and all the other people that do all these things that they do. Yeah. It's true. I thank God the body of Christ is learning people like that. And I know that it's not just him, but usually those people embody so many others in the ranks of Father, doing, get, making sure everything gets run well. If this is the house of God, if this is Bethel, if this is the kingdom, then there's a way things ought to be done, that it's so beautiful, that the world should come see and be staggered by it. And I, and I just love the whole thing. I want to say thanks to the band. The first couple of nights, the previous band and the 
jazz, uh, not jazz, the uh, brass section that they put together there and the way that they, whoever wrote the arrangements, but I met him today, fantastic, really, such a blessing and uh, was able to just really worship. And then, of course, this night, this night as well, they gave me my own special chaperone to walk me around. Uh, Mark, he's been from the gate on the first day he met me and um, I, I feel like he's not going to let me go, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I keep trying to dodge him and escape, because if he sees me, he's going to say, is there anything you need? Is there anything you want? Is there anything I keep, and there's nothing I need. I feel bad. I feel, I'm going to, I do. So next time he asks me, I'm just going to make something up just to make him, I feel so blessed being here, and I just want to thank Guy and Heather and the whole team. Uh, what God is doing here is beautiful and special. I'm not just saying that because I don't have to. I could just go right into the message, but... Uh, I, um, I feel like the Queen of Sheba said the half was not told me. And I pray that you don't take these moments and these things for granted. It's a beautiful thing, and it's pleasing to God. To Him be the glory forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. If I, by the finger of God, cast out demons then the kingdom of God has come to you. Words of Jesus. If I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come. It has come to you. I was, um, uh, for me, my, my initiation into really understanding much more what the kingdom of God is about really began, actually, I think many years ago, context like this, Terry Virgo preaching, and it gave an illustration that was so uh, enriching to me. Many years later, I myself will come to see exactly what he was saying. I, uh, a few years ago, took our children to uh, Disney World, Disneyland, whatever it's called, the one in Florida, not in France, and uh, you get there and, you, you know, it's just, everything is over the top, okay? Because it's American, so everything is over the top. Everything is bigger than you imagine, taller than you imagine, just like that. And then you get the kids, you, 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 you kind of get to the place, it's just huge, and then you're not yet there. You see, I mean, oh, thousands of cars and all of this. The whole thing is bigger in every way. And then there's a bus that takes you from one point to the other, and then there's also a boat, if you can imagine, but never mind that, you get into the bus. And our kids are real young, wanted to do this, and we, you get into this bus and everything is moving. Just the, 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 in the bus, Mickey Mouse is there. Yeah, Mickey is there. And all the other cohorts, I don't know their names now, you know, they're all there. And you can see the children looking at this thing, they are mesmerized and gasping and rejoicing. I mean, short of crying tears of joy, it's like their hair, their hair, the heroes that they've seen on television all their lives, hairy, this is, look, Mickey, it's just right there. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just chagrined with joy, so much so that honestly, you could, you, I think you could have said to the kids, I think the kids thought that bus was Disneyland. That, that, that was it, and that it's done. You could, you could have kept them there for a couple of hours and taking them back home. I think they would have been glad. <laughs> Until you then come in to the main thing. And then you are, yeah, just like this, silent as you look around. I mean, who thought this up? For children, who thought this up? The boss... It's not the Disneyland. It's just going to help you get into it. The church is not the totality of the kingdom. It just helps you get into it. It carries you. It's the vehicle that takes you into the kingdom, the fullness of the kingdom. The church is just one. Up to that point, for me, I'd always thought the church is it and the church is everything. It turns out there's so much more. And when Jesus, in dealing with the Pharisees, because that was one of the, he kept his harshest words for the Pharisees, his harshest words for them. 
when he said to them, if I by the finger of God cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And in saying that, what he was saying to them is this, that the kingdom of God is not virtual, it's actual. We said the other day, it's not a constellation of Gothic buildings in the sky. It's not a mythical concept someplace. It's not tales or fables to be told to tell one another to just help us on. The kingdom of God, and so many definitions of it, is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every sphere of life. It is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every sphere of life. That's what the kingdom of God, kingdom of God is. It represents his rulership. It's where he rules, where he reigns. It's the realm that he completely takes over. John Eldon Ladd made that real popular many years ago. The kingdom of God, it's an invisible kingdom, but it's increasingly being made visible. Invisible initially, but being made visible as kingdom agents walk on this earth and bring that invisible kingdom and make it visible. It is a spiritual kingdom, it is not natural. It is an eternal kingdom, Psalm 45, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. This kingdom, this kingdom can be invited into wherever a person is. May thy kingdom come. May thy kingdom come. And wherever that is prayed sincerely, the kingdom continues to come. It can be invited. It can be opposed. The kingdom can be opposed. And although it can be opposed, it cannot be overcome because the gates of hell will not be able to stand against you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. It's a real kingdom. It has a king. His name is Jesus. Can you shout amen to that? Amen. Yeah, because I felt your amens are a little bit on this level. <laughs> See, in Africa, the amens are kind of like on this level. Whenever we say amen, you know... <laughs> It's not just a cheap little Pentecostalism, something the preacher says that makes the people go. It's when people hear truth that goes deep inside them and it resonates in their spirits and it makes them say, yes, it is true. May it be so. Do it again. It's a prophetic dynamic is what it is. So when I said to you <laughs> that there is none other, the cared of the kingdom the king of the kingdom, his name is Jesus, the son of the living God. There is no one like him. No one compares to him. He reigns over and above all. He's the one to whom we bow, and forever it shall be. And everybody said, yes. Now I know you believe it. <laughs> the king of the kingdom, John chapter 18, verse 36, he said, I am a king. The kingdom has a whole realm. It's, it's, it's not defined by physical boundaries. It's defined by him, the king of the kingdom, for it is in him that you live and you move and, you have your, uh, and we have our being. It's got boundaries. It's got all the attributes of a normal kingdom. The kingdom has citizens. You and I, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There they are, the citizens of the kingdom. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says you're no longer strangers, you're no longer foreigners, you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. All of these verses are trying to say this. We are saints, citizens, saints of the kingdom. It's not, it has laws. It says, I give you a new commandment, love one another. The world doesn't understand that. It says you are different, you belong to a completely different kingdom. It's got its own languages. It's own language. The language of the kingdom, we speak truth in love. Can you say amen to that? We speak truth in love. As truth has come into us, we speak truth in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It says, therefore, let your speech be seasoned with grace. Let your speech, be careful what you say. Because we belong to a kingdom, there's a way that we speak. Not things rude or crude or lewd. Say, don't let these things come out. Don't let them be named amongst you even once. Why? You belong to a completely different kingdom. You're going to speak. Well, we speak what well, we speak in hymns, psalms, spiritual songs. We speak in tongues. I still do. I hope you still do. I still do. 
There's, it takes over. The bulk of my prayer life is that way. Why? There's a heavenly language that the king of the kingdom decided to give to you and I. Why wouldn't I use it? And the currency of the kingdom is faith. Spoke about that the other day. The currency of the kingdom, silver and gold, I have not. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, Acts chapter 3. It's not about silver. It's not about gold. The currency is faith. And wherever faith is depleted, you don't see activity of the kingdom. Wherever faith rises, you do see the activity of the kingdom. We must be people of faith. Otherwise, we'll be people of pragmatics. We will be so clever and clever our way right off the edge of a cliff instead of learning to trust in God and walk the path of faith. This kingdom has a mission, a mission, a mandate. And you and I are part of that. Where he says is, go and do business until he comes back. So that the kingdom is not just the church, it's broader than that. Go do, go do business until he comes back. It means that there are different spheres as societies are uh, constructed. Every society in some way will have family and governments and so on. You might hear, fantastic word, whoever is doing PowerPoint. Family, government, education, church, and so on. You feature in there somewhere, I hope. And that, I mean, there are different ways that one could slice this thing, but somewhere in there you feature, media, whatever it is. But you are playing your part in the kingdom. It's the grandmother that is taking care of the grandchild, not just because she wants to be that with the child. That's a good thing. Congratulations on that. But every time you do that, it's to release your children to go serve God. Oh, you're a kingdom agent doing something for the kingdom. Every time you're a stay-at-home mom and you're looking after those little ones and praying over them and playing with them and deciding that they won't be another statistic from a broken home or something, you're going to be over them and, with, and mother them as God mothers. And then in them you're speaking words that one day you will serve this God. Oh, you do that. Now you're a kingdom agent. You're not, you're not just a mom at home, stay home complaining and bored. When your husband comes back, you lash him with words. Don't do that. <laughs> you be a person of the, you know, you know why sometimes Christians get bored? They are not kingdom agents. There is nothing boring about this kingdom. Nothing. There are things happen all the time. If you're not seeing it, it's because one's eyes is gone all blind or jaded. The Spirit of God is constantly moving. Therefore, wherever it is that you work, you're a doctor, then you ought to be a kingdom doctor so that when patients come, they see what it's like if God is the one with the overall taking care of them and bringing healing. You're a lawyer. You should be a kingdom lawyer so that people can see what it looks like when God fights on account of the innocent and takes care of them, or how he even pardons the guilty and brings them into righteousness. You're a government worker. You should be a kingdom government worker so that the world can see what it looks like when God is judged and he rules rightly and righteously and takes care of not just those in the upper echelon of society, but those way down below and cares for them. You'd be... You, might, you work in the media, you should be a kingdom media personnel who refuses to exploit people on account of cheap gain and notoriety and getting famous. God forbid that any one of us should be that way. It's a whole different, it's a whole, this kingdom wants to affect the kingdom in which we live, this physical kingdom. The spiritual one must, and you and I are the agents that have been sent. And if it doesn't get done, it's because we're not doing our, we're, we're not doing what we've been called to do. You're a teacher in education, then you should be a kingdom teacher. That when you stand in front of those children, let me tell you, when you stand in front of them, you're not just teaching them math or geography. That, listen, that's just the vehicle. If you're a kingdom person, those kids will look at you, listen to you, and something of God that is in you begins to percolate into who they are. They almost want to become like you as they grow up. They may not have definitions for it, but they know there's something good about you. And you've been placed there. Some of them, you know what? The best, greatest love they're going to find is when you take care of them because they don't get it at home. No Christian should walk around forgetting who they are, why they've been called and placed in this fallen 
terrible world. Oh no, this is a real kingdom. It's a real kingdom. And this kingdom also has its own culture. The kingdom culture is a beautiful culture where it says, never neglecting your assembling of yourselves together. Together is a big word in the New Testament. They're not people that pop in once in a while. No, they are there. They know God, they love God, and they take care of one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. They honor one another. They honor one another. This kingdom is a kingdom of power. Where he says, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, says to stay there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit come and power. You will get power when the Spirit comes upon you. So wait for the power. Now I'll tell you this, for you and I, kingdom agents, all of these things must be represented in our lives. That the church may be here, the world is over there, we have been called to go from the church into the world. But we always come back to the church and then back into the world. But we always come back to the church and then back into the world. But we all, and that is what happens in ever-increasing concentric circles. We go further and further and further, but we always come back. Why do we come back? Oh, it's the place of refueling. Oh, you need, you need him. You need to be with the saints. We never graduate off from the church. The church is critical to the kingdom because you see, when you have on the one hand heaven from which the kingdom of God comes down to you and I, and then we have the mission field where the kingdom must go. In between these two things is the church. It's the church. We need the church. And for the rest of the time that I have, I'm going to say a few things about the church. When I say from the church, we're going to the world and come back, that's a very important image for you and I to keep in our minds. Sad to say, though, some Christians don't do the thing right. Imagine a Formula One driver, I don't know, Lewis Hamilton. Imagine a Formula One driver on the, on the track. Every so often, they're going to come back for the pit stop. The pit stop is the time where you're going to get refueled. I'm, I'm amazed what happens in that pit stop anytime I watch that thing. To be honest, I, I'm just dumbfounded. In, in, in like five, six, seven, ten seconds, they're going to change the wheel, a whole wheel. They're going to change the wheel. They're going to wipe the screen. They're going to wipe the, the driver's visor sometimes. They're going to refuel the car. All of these things get done right there at the pit stop. Ten seconds. And then it goes. And if it's 12 seconds, oh, they're complaining we didn't do well. Two second difference. Really? All of that, in the, just think about it. That's pretty amazing. Well, now, imagine the driver comes through, stops there, everything is fueled and ready, and they're like, go, go, go. They even have a sign there. Now that's it, green, go! Imagine the driver says, you know, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> Excuse me? I don't no, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not feeling it. I'm not, you're not feeling it? I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Uh, come on, you got to go. You're wasting time. This is 40 seconds on. The other cars are going, he's staying here. He's complaining. He's not happy. He's not. Where's the complaint? I'm just, he's just not happy. Uh, this isn't working. That isn't working. I'm just not happy. I want more pay rise. I know some Christians like that. I know some. They don't go into the, they don't play their role in extending the kingdom. They come to the pit stop, they just want to stay here. Just want to stay here. No, we've been called to something great and greater. Therefore, when we come together, we refuel, we're set up, we're reminded, and then we go out again. And that is necessary because if you go out, without being filled up, you're going to go out there and sometimes forget who in the world you are. For you know, you're contributing to discussions and things that you shouldn't, you shouldn't be contributing so in that way to that. The church is that critical junction where it says, 
that Jesus Christ, and for the rest of my time, you might want to turn to Mark chapter 1, because I'm going to walk you through some verses and then draw to an end. And the first thing, when Jesus Christ, so the question I'm wanting to ask is, what then does the church, a church that really does truly fill people up and help them, what does that look like? Number one, is a church that welcomes the Spirit. Because the Spirit is the power of the kingdom. The church that welcomes the Spirit, it says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 10 of Jesus, it says, and when he was baptized, it came up, he said, and the heavens were torn asunder. <laughs> Reminds you of uh, Isaiah 64. He said, oh, would you rent the heavens and come down? The heavens were torn asunder. I think a church that really fuels people and sets them up and sends them out is the church of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is there every time. And he is welcome. They welcome the Spirit. He is invited all the time. Not that he is not around. Oh, he's all over. He's everywhere. But there is a manifest presence of the Spirit that we can invite and say, Oh, Lord, come. Come do it here. Let thy kingdom come right here. Your rule come right here and fuel us all over again. One of my concerns as I go around a little bit is that on the one hand, I know we're charismatics, and so I'm preaching to the choir. That's not a bad thing. But sometimes we can become almost like the Galatian church, that after a while they used to have it, but they kind of strayed away from it. They just moved. They've moved away from it somewhat, and they've become more beguiled by other things, the Galatian church. And Paul saw that. He was just, just wounded to see it. On the other hand, sometimes the risk is to become like the Corinthian church, that they have all these gifts and so on, but they're almost like toys to them. They play with it, and it's, it's, it, they, they, they confuse intimacy and familiarity. And after a while, if, if familiarity overtakes everything, the gifts become little toys that they play with, and nobody really v hardly believes it anymore, as in that was God speaking to us. And I see that in charismatic circles. Because sometimes there is an immaturity and a refusal to grow beyond a certain level and grow more and more in God so that the church grows together, recognize, no, no, God spoke to us. We won't just ignore it. There's always a starting point, absolutely. But these are not little toys to play with. It's important. It's serious. And in the name of wanting to make sure that we don't just have a hierarchy of people that are, oh, they're the big ones. And certain standards are brought down. I get that. But it can't stay down. They are not little trinkets to play with. It is the Holy Spirit of God wanting to minister to the body, therefore bringing words and giving to people a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a prophetic word to be led and guided by. I think every Sunday you go to Jubilee Church, I think, you know, I remember in the early days you're thinking, there are only 30 of us, God, will all 30 come? You know? And you know, that's the preoccupation of the, young, of the young pastor, you know, will they come? Will they come? You know, you're not even asking God, will you come? Be like, oh, no. You just touch the people. Will they come? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the truth. <laughs> And then finally the people come in, and then they're 50. You'll be like, oh my God, 50? I think we've taken the world over. Jesus is Lord. And then it becomes 100 people. Oh my goodness, it's all happening, revival, 100 people. After a while, that 100, after a while you're not so impressed anymore. You want more. You're, okay, now they're 150, now they're 200. Okay, now they're 300. Still, you want more. Okay, when will it be enough for you? Oh, listen to me, this kingdom is an ever-growing kingdom, and everything living grows, so I totally believe in growth, but we just need to be a little bit careful and grow in full maturity and say, God, it's you we want first. Speak to us first. And your, the spiritual gifts, we want it in the life of the church. And then the church needs to mature. And leadership needs to help it mature. The one thing now, I go to Jubilee Church on a Sunday, you know, uh, no matter how many people are there, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm looking for? I am thinking, Lord, are you here? 
Lord, are you here? Because I know, okay, I've been, I've worked with the Lord a few years now. I know we can generate excitability by ourselves. You put it on the right key and put the right pads on the jolly keyboard with the right riff, that thing will go. <laughs> it will go. But there's no life in it. It will excite, but there's no life, and therefore there will be no transformation by it. It takes true worship for that to happen. It takes truly listening to God and hungry for God and hearing the prophetic word from God. Who said today, by the way, that, I mean, for me, I, just, I heard it, I was so blessed by it. Said, I'm opening a door for you. See those half-open doors? Step towards it, God says. The half-open doors. Step to, what are you waiting for, a full door? He said, step towards it. Step to, when I heard that, reminded me of something God said to me a long time ago. When you see those doors, just keep walking. Well, it's, it's very hard to keep walking when the door is there. Because you may look very silly. Looking silly is your job. Looking fantastic is his job. Get used to it. <laughs> Get used to it. Get, of course, you're supposed to look silly. He is God. He gets all the glory. So get used to it. So you just keep walking, just keep walking. Many years ago as a little kid, you know, when I, when I first saw it anyway, this grand shop, this is way back in Africa and Nigeria, they had this, my first experience of these doors, glass doors, you walk to it and it just opens. The first time I saw it as a kid, I thought it was magic. Unbelievable. It, I mean, as a kid, you don't even want to buy anything in the store anymore. You just want to go in and go out and go in and go out and go, okay. You know what? They have open doors. You've got some things going for you. God says, this is nothing compared to what I want to do. But he's going to require more faith. Walk forward, he says. You don't cross the Red Sea without, and God said to, Moses said to the people, go forward. You have to go forward. Abide, abiding in it, wanting the presence of the Spirit. It says of Jesus, the heavens were to torn asunder and the Spirit came upon him. And abiding of the Spirit upon him, being led by the Spirit into the wilderness and come, being empowered by the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit. We want to become kingdom agents out there. We need to start from here. A church that is alive and vital. Number two, really quickly. Yeah. The word of the Spirit. It says in verse 14, and Jesus went around proclaiming, proclaiming the kingdom. Proclaiming it, the kingdom. He was, he was, he was, his sermons were not cheap apologies. He came to declare something. It wasn't cold theology. It was apprehended truth. People heard it, and they felt like, it's like I got something. It wasn't cute alliterations. It was it's the word, he said this, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. That's what preaching ought to be. And that's, that's what, they, if that's not in the church, they're not going to be kingdom agents. They're going to be moral agents at best. And that is not enough. That's not what the world needs. The, the gospel is not about morality in the first point. It's about much more than that. And so in preaching, preaching, bringing the word of God unto Christ is forming inside the people. My little children about whom I travel unto Christ be formed in you, Galatians 4.19. Truth that comes, truth to live by, truth to die for, truth to pass on. The kind of church that makes kingdom agents, they welcome the spirit. They hear the word of the spirit. In other words, it's prophetic. Even the preaching is prophetic. It's so, it's so unhelpful. When sometimes people say, well, we didn't have a prophetic word today. Did you not hear the word of God that came from the, from the, we mustn't categorize these things wrongly. It's a church that has the works of the Spirit happening there. The works of the Spirit, verse 16, says, and Jesus, I'm walking you, you through Mark chapter 1, in verse 16, and Jesus seeing them, Andrew and Simon, and he calls them. He says, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left it and followed. Immediate, would you have done that? I think there's a whisper of the Spirit that is going on, that as he spoke, 
they, they just left it and they followed. Wherever the Spirit of God is and the Word of God is taught, salvation begins to happen. It's the work of the Spirit. People begin to come through the work of the Spirit. And then not just that, then transformation, not just salvation, but transformation, real life transformation. Not just they're saved, but they're saved. And look at the difference. And so it is, he says in verse 25, Jesus walks into the synagogue and getting there, there's been a man there who was demon possessed. Jesus walks in there, he sees the man and he heals the man. He puts the demon, he takes the demon out of the man and the man is made whole. And by the way, the Pharisees were not happy about that kind of thing. Unbelievable. The man just got delivered. If we're saying we're spirit-filled people, and we're saying that this is the hub where we get filled up and we see the works and the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God is happening, that we, even these things must be happening in our churches. Can you say amen to that? We need this thing. We want to see this thing. Deliverance. Deliverance. The, the, the average church in the West runs the risk of doing this. It would have put the man out of the church. Jesus put the demon out of the man. That's important. This salvation is so full-orbed in its expression. I love, by the way, what I heard yesterday. You were made to flourish. What a, what a, I wrote it down, then I wrote it again. I'm going, going back to the church next Sunday, I'm going to tell all of them, you were made to flourish. That's what I'm going to tell them. You were made to flourish. It reminded me many years ago when I heard a song by Terry Virgo, you were meant to fly. You were made to flourish. Please don't, please don't forget those things. To me, they're prophetic words. Transformation, deliverance, transformation, healings. He said, Jesus, Jesus, he, he came out of the church, he said, and Pete, Simon, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was ill. He went over to her, to her bed, touched her, and she rose up. Before you know it, she's serving. Verse 31. Healings are happening. You still contending for that? I am. I'm praying for it. I have to. If I don't contend, then it doesn't happen. If I do contend, then I begin to see it happening. Dave Devonish's book, or Stronghold, I think that's where it is, where it talks about it's almost like there's a blanket over the United Kingdom. May that blanket be removed in the name of Jesus and we'll be under an open heaven in Jesus' name. So he healed her. And then, and then verse 33, people heard what was going on and they began to come. Oh, you want church growth? This is one. They began to come. They began to come. And it says the, the people, they were gathering. There's something so interesting I love here, which is this. He, Jesus, goes into the temple. He drives out the enemy from that man's life. When health comes into the temple, into the church, it begins to flow from the gathering of the people into their homes. Health begins to happen in the home. And when health begins to happen into the home, then it begins to go into the rest of the world, kingdom agents. This is how it works. And then the work of the Spirit also is mission. When they were looking for him, where are you? He said, it's time for us to go to the next city, to the next town, to the next place. People on mission, just like you guys, on mission. Different things happen all, all the time. I thank God for you. The power of the kingdom, the welcome of the Spirit, the word of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the way of the Spirit. How is all this being done? The way of the Spirit is by prayer. On one occasion, when they asked Jesus, they couldn't cast out a demon. They asked Jesus, how do you do it? He said to them, this type don't come out except by prayer. Some translation said by prayer and by fasting. When they were looking for Jesus after all the things he'd done, they said to him, where, where, where were you? Verse 35, he was praying. They found him. Early morning, he rose up to pray. When a church begins to grow and things begin to go, well, one of the first things that gets kicked out of the church calendar is the prayer meeting. And it's a sad thing when that happens because prayer at very least indicates dependency on God. It says, my house shall be a house of prayer for the nations. For the nations. And then the worth of the kingdom. What is this kingdom worth to you? If God has done all this in your life, what is it, 
What is it worth to you that you're a part of it? That you're a part of it. Jesus said he met a man there when he came out going to the other city. A man came to him and he took care of the man. He healed him and he said to him, now go and give what Moses said to you to give. This is all from Mark chapter 1. Go and give what Moses said you should, you should give. Some kind of an offering. And it's not, it's not a purchase price. You can't buy God. You can't buy miracles from God. It's a, it's a, it comes from a heart of gratitude. It comes from a heart of gratitude. The picture of the woman you're seeing up here is a woman in our church. Her name is Elenista. Elenista came to Jubilee Church. She's from Albania. When she came in some kind of a refugee kind of status, she came into this country. Not an easy thing. And somehow she ended up in, our ch in Jubilee Church. When she tells her story, she talks about just the way that she was welcomed into the church. I was so glad to hear it because I wasn't there, one of those who welcomed her. But somehow she was welcomed into the church. She said that she felt the presence of the Spirit. She would come to know Jesus Christ in such a deep way. The guy that she'd been known for a long time in Albania comes to, came to join her, and they've been living in a certain kind of way. They, they, he gave his life to Christ. They came together and got married. In fact, they got married on a Sunday morning in the church. The one thing this woman, Albanian, different in so many ways in language and all of that, but just was loving God. She began to grow. She grew. And when she gives a testimony, she says, he talks about the word, the way she would, every time, every Sunday, she would hear the word of God. It would just pulse beat in her heart. They had menial jobs that they were doing. She and her husband, but she would, oh my goodness, she would do whatever she could to get out of the Sunday deal just to be in church, to be filled back up. When she was much younger, she'd had some problem with her womb. And the doctors didn't quite do so well in taking care of her. And they said to her, you might want to be careful when you get pregnant. Well, now she's married, she wants to get pregnant, she wants a baby. Came into one of our prayer meetings in the church, and I had a prophetic word about somebody and so on, pregnant. And she just said, that is for me. The church prayed for her. Not so long after that, she got pregnant. She didn't know she could, she got pregnant. She got pregnant, joy in her spirit, and then as the weeks were going on, a difficulty began to happen with the pregnancy. And, and, and the whole thing was not going so well. She came to talk to me about it, and I listened to her, prayed with her, and so on. Where she had had a previous operation, to cut a long story short, now with this baby growing, her womb tore apart and ruptured. The womb just tore apart. She lost the baby, very nearly lost her life. I, this, this was a, it was a big deal for me, this thing, because she was walking with God and doing so well. When I saw her, she couldn't talk. The whole time I was there, in the one bedroom where they were staying, with her husband. She couldn't talk the whole time. And she was told not to move or anything. She was just there. This was a difficult season for her. When she tells the story these days, she talks about in the middle of the night, she would get up and walk out onto the streets and just talking to God and wondering and baffled. And she thought she was ever so close. Her husband often would wake up and go look for Elenista and find her, bring her back home. It was a hard time for her. And she was told by the doctors, you survived. You shouldn't have gotten pregnant in the first place. You knew that. Now with everything done, don't do it again. A few months would go through. And uh, in fact, we had a women's conference and she saw a little a woman there carrying a newborn baby. I remember that lady, she carrying a newborn baby. And she says, I thought, why are we bring a newborn baby to this conference? Is there a little bit? She met that woman, and she says she's looking at the newborn baby, and she begins to cry. 
The other woman says, are you okay? She says, no, I'm just thinking about my baby that I lost and how one day I want to have a child myself. She goes on, the woman says to her, do you want to carry my baby? She carries the baby and hugs and cries and they have a moment there in the Lord. A few weeks later, she gets pregnant again. Now she comes to me and says, Pastor, Pastor, I'm pregnant. Well, I, now I'm concerned. <laughs> so I say, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, you know, so how, I, how do you feel about it, Elenissa? He said, what do you mean? I said, you know, just say, uh, how, how do you feel about the pregnancy? She said, what are you talking about, Pastor? Jesus has done it. Everything is going to be fine. I mean, she had more faith than I did. I, I'm not just saying that. She had more faith than I did. She said, oh, Pastor, don't worry. Don't worry. Jesus would do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Top of the man of God. Look at him. A mess. Pregnancy started, and would you believe, almost to the same day, the rupture begins to happen again. She had my cell phone number and all that. She gives me a call that it, it, it's all going wrong. I call the whole church to begin to pray. We learned how to pray more than ever on account of this issue. I called the whole church and said, we will fight for this. We will fight for this. And I taught them how to fight for this. And we called a prayer meeting that was, it was not a game, it was not a joke. We were at this. And over time, they, they, they needed to go up to a certain point, and then it might be okay to bring the baby out. But before then, no way. And the whole thing is slowly coming apart the whole time. And, if, and so she had to stay in the hospital. Woke up one morning, my phone is going. It's all going wrong. The rupture has happened. And, uh, and she, I could tell it was her, you know, and she couldn't talk, so I'm just talking, I get off my bed, and I'm just praying with her, and I'm talking to her. You know, she would, she, it just, you know, her husband couldn't speak English so well, she, but if I spoke to her, it helped her. And the Lord is so great, I spoke to her, spoke to her, I'm getting ready, get into my car, get into the hospital, uh, get into that place. I see the husband there, he's crying, Pastor, I'm like, it's okay. And we prayed, and we prayed, called the whole church, we battled in prayer, the baby comes out. Baby is safe. Mother is safe. And all is well. All is well. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. And these days when I see Elinista, so after the baby and all of that, the church gave her all this stuff and helped the whole family. I said all that to say this. When I said to Elenista, how was everything? You would think she would carry that baby like this, you know. No one come close. Oh, no, no, no. She's like the church baby. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, a church baby. All over the place. You feel like saying? And so eventually I said, are you okay? Are you the baby? She often looks at me and says, Pastor, do you not know what the Lord has done for me? She's the first one now to volunteer for anything. She's the first one to give her time. She has, I believe she's giving probably more financially to the work of God considering what they earn and have. When you say, why? She says, do you not know what he has done for me? The kingdom of God is like a man who walks in a field and is walking and he finds a pearl. What do you do when you find? He says he finds the pearl, he puts it all back. Then he goes around and finds out who, who owns the field. When he finds the owner, he says, I want to buy the field. Can you afford to buy? I want to buy, I want to buy, 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 buy the field. Can you afford it? It will cost, I'll, I will give anything for the field. And so he gives everything he has. Why? He's found the pearl of great price. Oh, she's found something. She gives everything over unto the Lord. I came in here to come serve Guy. I've been more blessed than I imagined. You know that there's a rumor going on about you guys, this movement? It turns out the rumor is not just a rumor, it's reality. You're a generous people. You're a generous people. I was in a meeting one time when guys shared 
about the giving that happened in this place. I think it was last year. I was sitting down there writing mine. When he said it, I stopped. Did he just say that right? And it wasn't even so much about the amount of the money. That's a big part of it. But I just felt in my spirit, these are a different people. Because you don't hear that kind of story often. God, there's, there's, there's something that God wants to do with you. Because moments like that don't just happen. There's something God wants to do with you. For you to be like the Macedonian church who you've given of yourselves, you've given of your substance, you've done it before, do it again. Because listen to me, you cannot give to your maker and lose. You cannot give to your maker and lose. That he who has started a good work in you, he will perfect it. But you will find that as you walk with the Lord, you will give on one level. And then the next time he will say, give even more. Many years ago, I decided I don't want to give less one year than what I gave the year before. And by the grace of God, year after year, started from the stony days, it's been going that way. I never want it to be less. Why? If you know how he saved me, how he pulled me from the miry clay, how he set me up and taken care of me, if you know the mission that he's put me on and made me a co-laborer with him, and then it turns out everything I have is not mine anyway, it's all his. And the whole time it's a test that will you give me out of convenience or will you give me out of gratitude? Reckless giving. The Lord has started something with you. Don't stop it now. You keep going. You might want to revise and say to yourself, often you come, you say, I've decided what I'm going to do. Maybe the Spirit of God will say to you, do more than that because you belong to a kingdom. When I see the works you guys are doing, churches that you're reaching, different parts of the world, this is a big thing. It's a big thing. And you're at the junction. Heaven here, mission there. Jacob rests his head. Angels are sending and descending. And he says, this is Bethel. This is where the kingdom of God begins with you all of you here. And he heard the voice of God. He heard the encouragement of God. He said, I will give you this land. He said, I will bless you. He said, I will make you spread out everywhere, everywhere. These, those, I read it to you that you may know that's a prophecy from the Lord for you. There's a big thing that the Lord has for you. And he who has begun a good work in you, he will perfect it in the name of Jesus. It's been a joy being with you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Toppy. Let me, uh, before we, I don't know about you, my heart is, 